1: Welcome, undercover Secret Service agents, company cybersecurity, New Jersey Devils fans. Oh, and an extra special shout out to you, Cage Club tech support this week. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years with the lens of some iconic high school centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my house this evening. But first school is still in session and we are back baby in New York City my hometown and the place where hackers you know exists where it takes place i was going to say the place where hackers takes place but that sounds redundant you get it we're in New York <laughs> So apparently, if you've been following the news at all, there's a virus going around. The Nick Cage virus is going around. And it infected us last week. Pretty bad.
0: I'll be arrested! Put in airport jail? Just get your ticket and move on, okay? Get your goddamn ticket and move on!
1: Ugh. <sighs> don't ask. Look, I don't really get it either. I don't get this high-level tech stuff. If you have a podcast that isn't featuring a Nick Cage film, I'll give you a warning. Don't open any suspicious emails, no matter how lonely you get this weekend. Trust me. If you need any help, just listen right here to High School Slumber Party. We'll get you through those lonely nights, I promise. So let's chat about your homework, shall we? This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. So your homework was easy pretty much just to watch Hackers, which I'm sure you did considering this is part two of two. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, by the way, pause this episode right now, go back and listen to it. Good. Welcome back. So obviously you'll be hearing the voices of Cara Gale O'Regan from the Whistle Thinking podcast and Mike Manzi, again, from the Third Times a Charm podcast. Can't wait to continue to tear into the circuitry of this one. Wow, that was bad. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa! The bell doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you. We still have a ton of housekeeping to do today. First things first... Oh, I got a shout-out on the Teenage Dirtbags podcast this week, which was awesome. I've said it before, but I'll say it again. If you like this show definitely check out Teenage Dirtbags. They're chatting teen movies as well, but they do things a little differently up there. But it's a lot of fun. Trust me. Also, Maddie, Carly, if you get around to stopping by over here, congratulations on the new puppies. I'm a dog guy. What can I say? (laughs) A quick reminder, please follow High School Slumber Party on Instagram and Twitter and like us on Facebook. Also, hit the subscribe button, leave a five-star rating, write a review, you know, do all these things that 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 can help little Brian here. And remember, you can listen to us also on cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. That's the mothership. But the best way you can support High School Slumber Party is not by giving me money or anything like that. This is public education, guys. It's free, baby. The best way you can spread the love of High School Slumber Party is by telling a friend. Or by telling John Cusack to unblock us on Twitter, but I don't think that's happening anytime soon. But I won't keep you waiting any longer, trust me. Let's get to the conclusion of Hackers. So pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother you're sleeping over Brian's, because we're about to get our party on. Let's head to Hackers with One Love by The Prodigy. Class dismissed. just want to fact check quickly this isn't the first film i've done where the kids like do something in new york but this is the first film where the kids actually like go to high school in new york in new york city i mean oh okay like i mean the first film about a new york city high school if that makes sense yeah which i'm kind of surprised about like i'm almost a year into this podcast and this is the first like new york city high school i don't know that's why i didn't think it was like the case but you know what it is
0: did you guys say whether or not, is this a normal high school, or was this like science school? Is this where, like, Spider-Man goes, right? Like, this is...
1: It's a specialty high school. Okay,
0: yeah. I, wa- I wasn't positive, but then, like, the English class kind of gives it away a little bit. Like, my English class, we were not, like, that free range uh, <laughs> at all. Like could not, like, get up on the desk and stuff, but no. Okay, I was just curious.
1: <laughs> no, I hear ya. So let's chat about how creepy, though, Johnny Lee Miller is when he, like, goes on the computer and hacks his way into changing his schedule so that he can still be in her classes and stuff.
2: Oh, it's very creepy. (laughs) I mean,
0: yes, it's very creepy, but like as a high school kid that he's, he clearly is like trying to get a date with her and get in her vision, her view and stuff. And I mean, I don't know. It's not great, but like, come on, that's like, not the worst thing I mean he could have done is just get in the same class and it's the whole joke like you're not in my class and like double meaning like you know
1: well yeah if she just smiled more and wore a dress I think she'd be happier you know everyone would be happier
0: (laughs) no that's that's not the same come on (laughs) He's a high school kid, like how far can you go when you're i mean you have to have to think as like a writer like what's something he could hack in high school, okay, I get the uh fire extinguishers like that's a cool hack and stuff, but like yeah changing changing your schedule like I don't know,
1: okay, fine, fair, but you know in another sense, he's not doing it like just. To- show off his hacking skills. He's doing it to be in the class with her. You know, as much as we said, you know, her fashion is cool, I'm sure he thinks it's cool too. At the end of the day, his goal, his like whole entire mission is to A, go on a date with her and B, put her in a dress.
0: Yeah, I think the worst part in this movie is when they're checking out her laptop at the party oh, and then God. she comes in with yeah. her boyfriend and they start fooling around and they hang out to like watch them fool around and see their friend topless. It's like, dudes, like, come on, dudes! Like,
2: dude. I was watching it with the captions on today, and this is the first time that I that this line really registered for me. Uh, one of them says, "Her wetware matches her software," which is obviously oh. like a pubic hair joke. But also, I had to like look up the word wetware, which is like a biological computer. It doesn't actually like work in this analogy, but I think they were just like saying technology words to make a pubic hair joke
1: jeez i did not catch that on my watch either watch well actually i remember reading though that angelina jolie was not happy with the final product something about her like i don't know being typecasted as like a tough badass girl i don't know
2: well that this like set the like, template for how she would be cast in the future. Oh, okay. Because I read that quote, and Mm -hmm. she seems to be specifically referencing probably, like, Tomb Raider, because she says something about, like, a tiny tank top, too.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Um,
2: Because she's, like, so, like, tough and, like, Mm -hmm. sexy, but tough in this movie. And, like, she has played that role so many times.
0: Yeah, I think it goes a little too far in this one. Like, her character just kind of comes across mean sometimes, but I don't think it's intentional. Uh, because, like, she's so tough. I don't know. I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I was kind of just like, I don't know,
2: like... Well, she just, like, doesn't really suffer fools. And, like... Yeah. Like, for a teenage girl, is relatively confident in her... Not just, like... Herself, but like specifically in her skills and her ability to be better yeah. than this guy. And I think she's just kind of like annoyed by him, and that's why she comes off that way. But also, when they go to the party at her house, we learn mm, a tiny little bit more about her, which is that her mother is this like important feminist author and freak shows uh like the cover of one of her mom's books, which is called Women Who Love Men Who Are Emotional Amoebas, which made me laugh so hard. That's where <laughs> I got my hacker name from Emotional Amoebas.
0: God gave men brains bigger than dogs so they wouldn't hump women's leg at cocktail parties. Yeah, she quotes her <laughs> mom's class. So like, From you memory. know, she, she
2: has a pretty strong <laughs> feminist foundation that she's uh, becoming a person off of. Yeah, no, I guess that, no, that's Also good. teenage yeah. girls are mean. <laughs> <I> mean
0: <that's>, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> she just, yeah, she's definitely just like comes across as the most serious out of all of them. Like you, everyone just needs to take this more seriously. And I, you know justly like they do need to take this shit more seriously
2: when it comes down to it you know
1: she also may be a new jersey devils fan
2: oh yeah love that (laughs) she looks great in that oversized jersey she looks great in everything
1: such an iconic character and yeah she really seems like one of these characters where like you either want to be her Mm -hmm. or like date her you know what i'm saying
2: or be confused about doing both
1: (laughs) i was just gonna say that and for the record I'm in category three. Yeah, same. You almost literally took the words out of my mouth. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: oh, um, I oh, I do want to talk about their like hacker hangout.
0: Oh, Cyberdelia.
1: Yeah, Cyberdelia.
0: Is that where they hang out? Where they? Mm-hmm. Oh, so like Shredder's Lair from Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing. I was
1: thinking Hansel's hangout in Zoolander.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pretty much the coolest place you can hang out, like anywhere ever. <laughs> well, what did you guys think of this hangout?
2: Um, it's a little loud for my taste, but I would totally hang out there. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, at, at 15, 16 years old, like I would live there, definitely.
2: Yeah,
1: I just love the atmosphere here. I specifically love the conversations they're having, like the the hacking conversations. Something I took note on, though, that I thought was funny is, so many of our like resources today are on the internet and on the web, mm-hmm. yet for the hackers, they can't look it up on the internet, they have to look it up in Books, yeah. Books, yeah. Well,
2: one of my favorite sections in a bookstore is, like, computer and technology section. There's so many weird books, and I'm like, but computers, why wouldn't we just use a computer for this? (laughs) You can still buy them. them. So they, like, go through this whole, like, stack of books, um, seeing if this new kid, you know, is, is, like, hip to all of the, the hacker knowledge, and that's actually, like, a real suite of books people call the I think it was called like the rainbow collection or something like that um that there were all of these manuals to all of these like different aspects of computer hacking and uh yeah they really were uh real things
0: I remember even the first time I saw this movie I loved just thinking of the concept that for like 10 years all that Dade could do is read these types of books he could never be on like the computer but he knew like every sort of available Linux whatever Mm. he needed to once he got his hands on one Uh, and like every like, back door and stuff, so I love that moment.
1: So what other scenes or, like, aspects or even characters... Do you want to talk about on hackers?
0: So, just Joey is just really funny because of just how like hyper he is and stuff. And I love when he's smoking two cigarettes at once. I think that's at the play. And he's like, "I need a handle. I need a handle." And like, I don't know. I just thought that was cool. Like, he's much more of like the audience, you know? I yeah. feel is, like someone who just like accidentally fuck around on the computer and then like the one day gets swatted like out of the blue. The, no, I just I thought that was interesting and in how Dave is just sort of like caught up in everything and like that I don't know once like the plot kicks in like just gets like really interesting in that level like this now these high school kids are sort of wrapped up in this worldwide conspiracy going on and stuff I was like oh wow, we're really taking this like up a level yeah um thought that was cool yeah It gets Pretty heavy
1: pretty fast, considering the ecological nightmare that could happen here. Because uh, this guy, the Plague, wants his money. They literally show oil tankers that are about to capsize. It's hard to believe that the entire fate of the ocean is at mercy of this computer here.
2: Well, I guess, like, there used to be some sort of, like, analog control on the ship that somebody could, like, take over, Mm. and that doesn't exist anymore. Because, like, in the executive meeting, when they're finding out about this computer virus that threatens to do this, one of the executives is like, why can't you just blah, blah, blah? And he says, there are no more controls anymore blah blah blah
1: i mean i don't know if that's true today necessarily i mean i hope not
2: i mean it might be true now but probably not in 1995 there were probably still some sort of manual override
1: but that seems so dumb why would they eliminate manual override
2: uh for the sake of the movie otherwise (laughs) well
0: yeah
1: no yeah like that's like the idea that makes me scared
2: Yeah, but think about, like, War Games, which is another movie that you should definitely Mm. do for this podcast, which a kid thinks that he's playing video games and it turns out that he's launching nuclear weapons. So, like, this is a a tried and true, I feel like, um, formula for a a movie like this.
0: Brian, I feel like it's the movie trying to project, like, into the future, like, what would be possible, uh, like, you know, eventually, oh, like, so... If we take this line of reasoning that computers are, you know, replacing everything, like, eventually, like, the boats are just going to drive themselves. There won't even be humans on there, right? Like, you'll just talk to uh, AI or whatever. And so, I think, like, that's this what the sake of the movie is trying to say is, like, oh, like, computers run our lives from, you know, the coffee maker to the boat that brings the grain to the shore. And mm-hmm. it's, like, everything can be hacked. And, uh Computers? hacked
2: <laughs> and i mean that's like more true now than it ever has been before now that we have like such interconnected devices
1: that's probably why this film has such stay power you know yeah especially compared to all the other uh, internet films that came out this same year so let's move a little bit with this plot so what what exactly is the plague doing Mis- here that's
2: mr the plague
1: <laughs> mr the plague
0: This was a little confusing the first few times because I thought just the plague was just trying to capsize. I didn't realize that he was... Like, I thought he was just holding the company ransom and trying to blame it on the hackers. I forgot that he had his little nibbler worm thing Mm -hmm. that was eating up like a couple cents off of every dollar of the
2: company. That's called salami slicing, which is embezzlement Uh in increments. So it's uh, kind of like the scheme in Office Space. Uh, Which was also
0: the scheme in Superman 3. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. Shout out, third time's a charm. And what's even weirder about that, Brian, I think I mentioned on the ride home from the Draft House, is that in Superman 3, he, like, almost capsizes uh, oil tankers in the middle of the ocean and, like, keeps them at ransom until someone pays while the uh, salami thing is happening in the background. it's
1: so weird. And,
0: yeah, uh, that's an early hacker movie where Richard Pryor plays a hacker who tries to kill Superman.
1: Yeah, huh, that's a coincidence. Also, you wouldn't think that would... Be a plot in the Superman franchise. Anyway, so uh, Jesse Bradford hacks into the company. Wait, does he ever get a hacker name?
0: Oh no, no, I don't think so. No, at the end there's a there's a great ADR line where it's like, "Hey, Joey made it," and you see him running while they're rollerblading in uh, in the subway station. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess he never gets his handle.
1: No, I guess not. Hmm. What are some other cool scenes? I'm trying to think.
0: Oh well. When the plague shows up at Zero Cool's house, that is like one of the most incredible scenes. That and when he sends him the laptop Mm. um, because he's like, he's like trying to relate to him. He's like, we're the same. We don't trust anybody. Join me. I'm like, wait a minute. Um, And then Dade's got that great line where he's like, I don't play well with others. And then later he sends him the laptop and he's like, we are samurai, like cope. Cowboy, uh, what does you say? Code Cowboys or something. I'm like, what? This guy is like the lamest
2: hacker in the world.
0: But I love those two moments. I love whenever um, Dade and the plague are, are facing off.
2: And it's right after that that they have sexy nightmares. <laughs> what are there,
0: like three fake fake-outs in this movie with the dream sequences?
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: so I guess, what did you guys think of the sexy nightmares? <laughs> You know, I mean, who
2: who
0: hasn't had a sexy nightmare? I don't
1: know. <laughs> uh, it was a it was an interesting choice here.
0: Well, I mean, I, I think it was a little more surprising that um, Acid Burn was having dreams about Dade because it was like, oh, wait. Does she like him? I no, like, she I doesn't didn't...
2: even know until she wakes up. That's why she's like, oh, it hadn't occurred to her previously that she might be into him. It came to her in a dream. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and everything, as we know, that happens in a dream is a reflection of reality. Hmm.
0: I love when the very first thing he does after never not touching a computer for 10 years is um, hack a local television station to watch The Outer Limits. Mm-hmm. And if you notice the tape that he's replacing, it's like this white nationalist like yeah. ranting and, and it's he takes out the tape.
2: America First, which is mm-hmm. Donald Trump's foreign, like literally his foreign policy platform is America First.
1: Just so it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. Topical. <laughs> who else? Oh, I wanted to talk about those like twin hackers who host the T V show.
2: I wish they were in this movie so much more. Cool.
1: Yeah. Where were they for most of the film? I would have loved to have more of them.
2: They were hacking the planet. Busy hacking the planet.
1: Yeah, they seem to like host these really cool parties. I'm not sure like where exactly the parties are or whatever.
0: Um Who's this uh razor and blade? Yeah. Now,
1: are they hacking a TV station too? Because like they're they're on air. They're on TV.
2: No, I think they just have like a public access show.
1: Ah, uh, okay.
0: Which was a big thing too. Like if oh man, I remember that from because like you would always hear about these kids in New York who, like, had public access shows, and, like, one kid got picked up by MTV because, like, the Beastie Boys stopped by his apartment or something, and then, like, Beck came over, and then it was like, what? And, like, I just remember public access being so cool. And then, of course, you know, like, Wayne's World did its thing with public access, but, like, yeah, I just figured that they had their own hacker TV show, which was really cool, and, like...
1: Oh, you're uh, right. That does make sense. Because they were also made
0: a joke later where they're like, we have interest from, like, a major studio or whatever, and I was like, ah, oh, it's probably like an MTV nod, because a lot of this feels like a, a music video, in in the best ways, though, like, in the better ways.
1: Yeah, honestly, I'd watch that show if MTV picked it up.
0: But it would be so illegal, right? Like, this is, th- it's basically like a YouTube video, right? Like, how to hack a phone. Nowadays, like, you couldn't... Well, you don't have to still do hacking stuff. But what, what's
1: the rest of their content, like... If they were introing MTV music videos instead of Carson Daly, I would be cool with that. They
2: might be talking about all of the righteous hacks. <laughs> Or breaking down, uh, you know, what Edward Snowden did, or something like that. That Current events in hacking.
0: Yeah, I can see that working. How to build your own computer. Yeah, that kind of thing. Or, like, fixing your phone.
1: Yeah, I'm not really sure which one's which.
0: Razor and blade?
1: Yeah, but, like, you know, one of them paints their face, and one of them doesn't. I don't know. I just really love their aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Some of the other good hacking moments in the film. Let's see. Oh, Angelina Jolie and Johnny Lee Miller have that whole one-up thing. Oh, by the way, what is exactly her prize if she wins?
0: He becomes her slave.
2: And he has to wear the sexy nightmare outfit.
1: (laughs) Okay, I remember now.
0: I kinda wish she won. But he's gonna do shit like scan, crack copyrights, whatever that means. <laughs> and
1: they play a couple good pranks too, mostly on um that Secret Service guy.
0: Yeah, it's payback for Joey, right? I thought that was cool. That was a good So yeah, sp-
1: it's a really funny sequence. Um they use some language that would probably be considered homophobic today, but I mean It was 1995. Regardless, I think they give his, like, number or his identity away to, like, an escort service.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's the whole thing is to, like, ruin his life. So they max out his credit cards. They do, like, fake personal ads. And they, like, they kill him, (laughs) basically, on on paper.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. He's like,
0: I'm deceased it's like game over.
1: Yeah, they end up like tying the contest. But you
0: know, it's a pretty cool sequence. But that's a that's a great that's such a beautifully shot montage of of them doing the hacking like when they're standing around a payphone and it's like a 360 shot and everyone's posing or when they're on like top of the Empire State Building, I think, and like what?
1: Yeah, it's like, so crazy. Just
0: to get is that to get better like satellite connection is—is <laughs> that work? The higher you are. I have no
1: idea, but it looked cool as hell.
0: Oh, it was great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming it's for better reception. I don't even remember this shot in the film, but like I said, it's pretty awesome. It seems like they really went up there and shot this scene, right? Yeah. Yeah,
0: but I, that whole thing looked like. You know, you you got your little discs and you're spray painting your your keyboard, and it's like you're going to war. And like, I just love the whole vibe of that, like the battle between the two.
1: Oh yeah, I definitely think it's awesome. So what's happening, right? Joey gets arrested, so this is really all about retribution.
0: Well, he's trying to impress them, right? Because he he hasn't done anything cool with his computer, and he accidentally like gets into that company and co- copies just like a garbage file. Because he's like, oh, this is just bullshit. Like, I just need proof I was here. And then the plague traces him, and it turns out to be like part of the worm that's hiding, the uh, that's being hidden by the Da Vinci virus. That's you know the whole plot going on in the background. So like that's the little goober. The McGuffin becomes a copy of the half of the disc.
1: I'm really glad you brought up the Da Vinci virus. Did you know that's actually based on a real thing?
2: Well I, I love how they visualize the virus as Da Vinci's Vitruvian man. I think it's cool.
1: <laughs> oh yeah no no it looks awesome in this film. So originally in real life there was a virus or supposedly a virus called the Michelangelo virus. And John McCaffrey. Oh. Yeah, you might know his name from the antivirus.
0: <laughs> the McCaffrey? <laughs> oh. <laughs>
1: yeah, so John McCaffrey told all these companies that there was a thing called the Michelangelo virus, and it would, like, kind of like in this film, the um, siphon off all their profit, and unless they bought a software, their companies would be screwed. And it's kind of widely accepted now that he sort of just made this up to start his company. Yeah, that yeah, sounds and great. His-
0: Hmm. yeah and his fucking software like came with everything at one point too you couldn't you know get rid of that shit at one point
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so they decided to put it in this film sort of like an easter egg though i really doubt whether it was fictional or not that the michelangelo virus actually spoke to people like the da vinci one does in this film
0: oh i love that when he was like when the when because like the stock Holder, the corporate guy's like, what did he do? Leave a message? And Plague's like, yeah, he did. And it's like, yeah, because a hacker would like kind of brag about it or whatever. Like that, that feels like the movie stereotype of the hacker, right? Like, yeah, he would leave a note and say like, uh, yeah, this is a ransom.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And I also think that since he knew exactly who he was attacking, that he made something that he knew would impress them. <laughs> yeah, so it was like tailor made for them. So, um, I think it's like Phantom Freak who gets arrested next.
0: Yeah. Mm. wake up. Mm. Come on, mm.
1: wake up, Amaro. Time for school. Come on. <laughs> a- a- Go! Go! Deja vu. Ray Sanchez, says you're under arrest under the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act of 1986.
0: And he's got one of my favorite lines that uh, I used a lot at one point where he says, uh, it's in that place where I put that thing that time. Love that line. I just love the way that that line flows. So like,
1: oh, absolutely love that line. Oh, I forgot to mention that Jesse Bradford's mom is actually played by Jesse Bradford's mom.
2: Oh, huh. oh,
1: so if you thought they had chemistry, that's because they did. Um, but I really, really liked Phantom Freaks, Mom.
2: Yeah, I love that she just starts like screaming at him in Spanish and hitting him when he gets arrested. And
1: it felt like a pretty accurate reaction. Yeah. <laughs> at least I think from my mom.
2: Like, cause at first she's terrified, and then when they start uh, like listing the charges, she, she's like. She knows that he probably did it.
1: <laughs> which is great. And like I said, I feel like that's how my mom would react if a bunch of charges were listed. Yeah,
2: her. I think that's a a natural natural reaction.
1: Too many times in movies we see moms that are depicted as, like, overly loving and sympathetic.
2: Yeah.
0: Which I feel like is not always accurate. Well, it's... Like Joey's mom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you stop moping around the house. Go, go out and play. It's like... Dude, it's like a federal... He just committed a federal crime. Like, come on. Yeah, no, exactly. And from watching all these high
1: school films, we rarely see, like, that kind of mom, you know? And I
2: liked seeing it. Well, there's, like, kind of two polarities in how mothers are portrayed on screen. One of which is, like, I made you milk and cookies, and I love you so much. And then the other one is, like, a kind of, like, evil stepmother shrew kind of figure, you know, and I think that we see three different moms in this movie, and all of them are different women.
1: Yeah, that's true. You know,
2: and they're not necessarily too much in one category or the other, which is impressive considering that there's really only one actual female character in this movie.
0: What? What are you talking about?
2: Well, what about Lorraine Bracco? Okay, and Lorraine Bracco.
0: <laughs> like she said, no. I think D- Dade's mom is is pretty is pretty good. I mean, she's not on screen a whole lot, yeah. and I don't know. She she's a little like I don't know. She's a little like oh, I you do like girls, don't you? I mean, that's very much of that time and everything and stuff. But aside from that, she's like goes to bat for him at the. police station, and she's like, my son is smarter than you'll ever be, and no shit, like, we'll never understand, and the cop's like, you're right, ma'am, you're right, you're right (laughs) but that was, like, cool, and then even Angelina Jolie's like, your mom's badass
1: and he's like, yeah, she, she kinda is, huh? I like when moms are people you rarely see that
2: Yeah, because moms are people, too.
1: (laughs) It's true. It's true. And I really notice that now, like, as my friends are starting to have kids, because they're not transforming, like, into movie parents. Mm -hmm. They're, like, I don't know, like, still weird and still my friends, and sometimes inappropriate. And it's like, they're the same people, just with kids. But, like, I feel like you watch these high school films, and that's not the parents you see, you know? Or at least it doesn't seem like it. But it's not like this film goes... Like in depth into the parents' lives either.
0: And I also think that it's telling that we don't see any fathers and, you know, they mention Kate's mother and we actually see her book and some of the lines in it. You know what I'm saying? But, like, the fathers are entirely absent and, like, if anything the plague is supposed to be, like, the father figure and he's a piece of shit. Uh, You know, basically. So, like, that's just a very interesting sort of skew that this movie has.
1: (laughs) I really didn't see him as the father figure, but if he is, well... Fuck the plague. <laughs> and fuck the bubonic plague as well. Anyway, so I guess we could talk about that final epic like, battle hacking scene in the end. But first they need to ask Razor and Blade for help. I love, love when they visit them. And, you know, they pull out that gun contraption that ends up being a lighter. Oh, yeah. And apparently that was a real thing that some hackers put together that uh, the screenwriter discovered while uh, researching this film. And I remember being in the theater and being like, (laughs) I don't remember someone getting shot in this movie. And then actually later, I think uh, Angelina Jolie shoots someone, but it's with a flare gun.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Her subway defense system.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But you're going to let that off in the subway?
2: I mean... Yeah,
1: like, (laughs) it's better than nothing. You're right, you're right. But to be fair, I think if she shot that off on the subway, she might hurt herself, too.
2: That's a possibility.
1: (laughs) It's a pretty contained space.
2: But I think it's more a deterrent. She probably wasn't ever expecting to have to, like, fire the flare gun. But if you pull out something that looks like a gun, somebody might run away.
1: Oh, true, true, fair. I didn't even think of it like that. That's a good point. So is there any um, any moments or scenes you want to talk about before this Grand Central Station scene?
0: Um, I got the one moment uh, that was cool it was um, so he goes he gives the disc he makes a copy of the disc but he gives one of it back to the plague because he framed his mother and the plague like comes up on the skateboard and shit and like <laughs> and that completely like hilarious shot of him holding onto the car and then Dade goes to his friends and is like. He's like, uh, I got a record, I was zero cool, and Lord Nikon like freaks out and like bows to him and everything and then they have like that real intensive night of like figuring out what's on the disc and stuff, and I thought that was really cool at the end, when they're like, "Oh, well, we're gonna have to hack the Gibson, and everyone's like, shit, man, Like, if I help, it'll we could get it done in seven. And he's like, well, if I help, we could get it done in six, and he's like, man, if I help, we'll get it done in five minutes. I love that, like, whole sort of, like, the plan is coming together, and, like, we're all gonna go do this shit, and, like, we're, we're gonna do it, and, like, they do it. Like, I don't know, I just thought that was just just like a lot of good sort of like energy and and like writing at that moment to like propel us into the final act of this movie. Yeah,
1: no no no, that was pretty cool. I love the friendly competition aspect of this film. Mm. So I guess they have two goals at this point, right? First it's they have to um stop the oil tankers from spilling over and essentially saving the earth's environment, but they also need to get a copy of the virus at the plague um, infected in the computer here so that they can prove it was him and get their buddy off the hook. Yeah. Why do you think they had to go to Grand Central Station to accomplish this? Besides for the fact that it looks awesome on film.
2: I think uh, the phone bank, like the bank of payphones there, that there were just like enough of them. For Like, first of all, that there's enough of them in one location that they could all be accessed, like use it as an access point. But then the fact that Grand Central Station is so big, like they might be able to, trace the signal to grand central but not necessarily to that specific bank of phones that's my hypothesis
1: that makes
0: sense yeah and then there's also because they go to the wrong ones first right like they set up the decoys and right and i think yeah they need to be next to each other so that they could like tag off if they have to or whatever
1: It certainly sets up for a really cool-looking scene. Like, they're racing to get there, and the Secret Service is hunting them down. And also, you don't get too many more iconic New York locations than Grand Central Station.
2: This movie makes me want a pair of rollerblades so (laughs) badly. Like, all I want to do now is just rollerblade around New York City, and I know... I know that I will hurt myself in about three minutes. So there's no point in me even trying, but they make it look cool.
1: I believe in you, Kara. I think you should do it.
2: Thank you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I would seriously break a hip if I tried to put on a pair of (laughs) rollerblades at this age. (laughs) Not even like, I just put one on my foot and my hip would break. Like, I wouldn't even have to stand.
1: (laughs) Rollerblading is so 90s and so, like, of the era. We did a rollerblading film here called Airborne. That was fun. There's also some rollerblading in D3, The Mighty Ducks. But it's just such a very 90s thing. This is a very 90s film, and I mean that in a very, very good way.
0: You know what that kind of made me think of Brian a little bit? Is like this movie, in a, in a way to me, feels a little bit like pump up the volume. You know? Just like in the sense that it's trying to... Like that movie definitely thought it had its pulse on the 90s, right? And it like missed the mark, like, by so far. But this one also thinks that it has its pulse on, on the 90s, and I think it does to a degree. Like, it's a sort of a more successful sort of, like, uh, film... Like uh, doing it's like Nostradamus thing, like what is gonna you know what is the future hold for uh, the style of hacking and you know kids and stuff and like yeah you know rave culture and that whole thing and yeah so I picked the, I was picking up on that a little
1: bit once again Mike Mansy your super hot take on Pump Up the Volume which you guys can check out in our archives that's another conversation for another day no but yeah no you're definitely right this is a this is a great nineties. And I really, really, really appreciate it. There's a reason it has this staying power, you know? Anyway, so they're hacking into the mainframe, and it's like looking really cool. It's like the viruses that the plague throws out, they have viruses to combat that, and it's just like a really awesome visual. And they end up, you know, saving the day, except Serial Killer. I think he chickens out.
2: No, he just wasn't in the same location. I think he had to, like, go rollerblade somewhere to do something.
0: Oh No, he, he was sent to go fix the phones. And uh, remember, like, they're like, you go do the phones, Joey. You get on the computer. And then at the end, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't get hauled away. But I thought it was really clever how they hid the file with the garbage mm-hmm. file on it in an actual garbage can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just wish that that was sort of like mentioned as a backup, like, hey, in case we get busted, I'm gonna throw it in the trash. Because he comes out of the subway screaming, "They're trashing our rights, or something, or like they're trashing it all," and then he starts screaming, "Hack the planet, hack the planet." <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs>
2: We us We oh, let's get
1: out of here. Watch. Oh, Keep it moving. No, they're going. trashing our rights, man. They're they're trashing the flow of data. But they're trashing, trashing, trashing. Hike the planet! Hike the planet! Shut up and yeah. get in the
0: car. Hike
2: the planet! Yeah. Hike the, yeah. the planet!
0: But like serial killer picks up on it. Oh, the tr- trashing our the trash. He threw the disc in the trash.
1: Yeah, I like to think that they must have said something off screen, like, hey, I'll let you know where we hide the disc, just kind of figure out the mind puzzle, I don't know. (laughs) So anyway, uh, Serial Killer gets the disc, and he makes his TV debut
0: worldwide.
1: Oh, I forgot to mention. Speaking of worldwide, we see all the hackers from around the world.
2: Oh, we did. I loved the fact <laughs> yes. there's like four or five of them, and at least two of them are women. At least the ones who are like giving the go ahead in their own language. You know, they're the they're the access point. They're the the like kind of team captain or whatever in their own country. Um, the fact that I mean, the fact that there were any women hackers in this movie at all is truly amazing um and so the fact that like one of them is one of the main characters that's cool i think there was another one that got cut out because there's a scene when they're hanging out at cyberdelia and there's like another girl sitting with them mm-hmm. and i was like oh she's cute where'd she come from and then we never see her yeah. again
0: she's like by the scoreboard right? yeah or something yeah it, i was looking for deleted scenes online but didn't find any but it did feel like there might be stuff cut, or maybe there's like uh, something on a Blu-ray somewhere, or something. maybe a laser like, Yeah, disc. I did get the sense. Yeah, there um. you go. <laughs> <laughs> gotta check the dark web. Yeah,
2: but I yeah, so I, I uh, really appreciated. I think it was like the Japanese woman, and mm, I don't remember what the other country was.
1: I think it was Italy.
2: Yes, you are correct. It was I
1: like Italy. how the Russian ones aren't like cool, hip, young people. They look like sinister like russian people
0: they look like russian mafia is depicted right
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're like mobsters (laughs) i guess that makes sense also topical
2: from what you hear in the news it would be georgian subcontracted teenagers you know operating like in georgia when the russian mob is orchestrating it back in russia with vladimir putin
1: you know, I didn't think about that. I guess you're right. I don't know. I just pictured, like, the actual Russian mobsters yes. do- doing the hacking.
2: Well, I actually, like, there was, like, a series of novels that I read as a kid that was about, like, Russian hackers. I have no idea what it was called or what it was That's about. That's interesting. But I remember reading them. Yeah. Wow. They were, like, short novellas, but it was a series that I read.
1: Yeah, so we get, then, our scene where Serial Killer is on all the TV screens Including Times Square. And you know what's funny? He's saying all this, but they're actually like believing him.
0: Without a doubt that we need increased funding what? to stop hold on, getting into Hola boys and girls. It is I, the serial killer, Come making my first coast to coast worldwide hey. global television appearance. <laughs> yes, that's right. I'm here to tell you about this heinous scheme hatched from with an and Mineral. But for what you ask? World domination? Nay something far more attacking. a virus called Da Vinci that when launched, would cause Ellingson mineral tankers to capsize was to be blamed on innocent hackers but this virus was really the smokescreen right What could be so vitally important to protect that someone would create such a, a nasty anti-social very uncool virus program but why could it be to cover the tracks of this worm program a worm, worm that was, that was to steal 25 million, $25 million. bucks. The password
1: for this hungry, hungry little sucker, sucker belongs to Margo,
0: <laughs> head of public oh relations God. for
1: Ellingson Mineral, and Eugene Belfort, computer security officer. Son of oh a bitch! Oh. Yeah. What's this? Is this the unnamed account in the Bahamas
0: where the money was to be stashed? I think so. <laughs> I Well, he has all of the data. He's, you know, he's, he's like, here's the... Yeah, he's like, here's the secret number of his Cayman Islands account that he's funneling the millions of dollars into. Here's his name, here's his address, like he basically, yeah, just like blows him up on the internet, you know. <laughs> like, here's here's everything about this guy and uh, that's when Wendell Pierce is like, "Oh shit." <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I You're could trusting the enemy. <laughs> yeah, I could totally see another ending to this movie if it just went on like a little bit longer where, like, cut to news footage talking about how these hackers framed this guy, you know? Like, the way that, like, the second Resident Evil movie ends, where they, like, first they're, they're reporting on the found footage, and then they're reporting that the found footage was a hoax.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. The double cover-up. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's why I'm surprised they actually believed him and took him for his word, and they didn't think he, like, doctored it. I mean, he's a young guy who looks like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, hacking is the reason that he's talking to you right now.
2: Yeah, hacked a satellite, so he's on every TV screen in the world? Question mark.
0: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I guess like you don't want to believe him, but it's you know you can't refute the proof. It's proof. He's got the proof.
2: Yeah. So like, well, we'll see how that works out with, with the the Trump administration.
0: <laughs> i know but I, I mean i i don't know i think it's i think once they raid the plague's little like cyber den where he has one of the very first vr oh, yeah. uh <laughs> machines
2: <laughs> i love <laughs> just, that scene and,
0: once they raid that place and i think they find all like his uh receipts or whatever they get lorraine brocco right and lorraine brocco oh, like yeah. i'll tell you She'll everything about like computers a bird. That I, i know every i'll tell you whatever you want as long as it's not about a hard drive or whatever that is
1: Ugh! and he was using her the whole time Mm
2: -hmm.
1: not good by the way did you see the bed
2: that he has in his apartment (laughs) what is it is it like a race car bed or something ridiculous
1: (laughs) not quite but i can't describe it i need to find a picture for you guys
2: well, because his his character is so hilarious. Like, it's such a caricature of, like, this grown little boy. You know, like, when we first meet him, he's, mm-hmm. like, skateboarding through the hallways. And, you know, he's just, like, such a cartoon character. I think it's hilarious.
0: Like, I feel like the, uh, like the teenage crew, like, would perceive him as, like, a poser yeah. almost or something. Like, he's trying so fucking hard. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it reminds me kind of that like Thirty Rock meme with Steve Buscemi. Like, how do you do, fellow
0: kids? I did notice that like his little sort of layer it it looked it looked like it was like um I don't know like like a spaceship or a space shuttle like mm-hmm. thing. It was just like all white and like cubic and very weird and futuristic, but it felt like it was like on the Nostromos from Alien. I was just getting like. Nervous, looking at it, I was like, I could not sleep in that room. <laughs> it's so open. It just open. felt like a it, like a yeah. like a padded room, yeah, yeah. or something.
1: Ugh, I cannot find a picture of this bed. I'll find it, I promise, and I'll post it on our high school slumber party Twitter so you guys can see. But trust me, it is one of the weirdest beds I have ever seen. And of course, the plague ends up getting arrested. And Mike, you and I talked about this on the way back from the Alma Draft House. Right? Like how weird this is? Like halfway through the flight. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which makes no sense, because if they're the federal government and they got on the flight, they could have grounded the flight.
2: Not if it's on the ocean.
1: But they're on the flight. Yeah. It's not like they pulled them over in another plane.
2: It would be somewhat more believable if this movie took place after 9-11 and after they started putting like air marshals on planes you know because if he's already on the plane and he gets some sort of like bat signal it would be like Mm.
1: yeah yeah no that would be more believable it's not believable that all these agents would get on board and wait till (laughs) mid-flight all the way to tokyo to arrest this guy and then have to fly all the way back i really hope they're connecting somewhere
0: yeah, you, I think back then you had to stop at, in California to make a connecting flight. So maybe they just had to get to L.A. Or, or San Francisco or something. But like, I never even noticed that until we saw it in theaters, because in my brain, it just felt like they were on the tarmac. Like I just blocked out the shots of the plane in the sky. And like when he's asking for a pillow, I always just thought I heard the person saying we're getting ready to take off
1: (laughs) oh yeah and then of course we get this like little coda at the end um what's johnny lee miller's character's name again dade
0: dade murphy yeah
1: (laughs) and his friends decide that he actually won the bet so now angelina jolie acid burn has to wear a dress and go on a date with him
2: well and then they go swimming and She's like, I can't believe they decided that you won that competition. And he's like, oh, no, they definitely thought you won. They just figured this was the only way I would ever get a date. That's shitty. Don't do that to your friend.
1: You look good in a dress.
2: You would have looked better.
1: Want to go for a swim?
0: I can't believe they decided you won.
2: They didn't.
1: Guys felt it was the only way I'd get a date.
0: Anyway, you're pretty good. You're elite. Yeah? You know, if you would have said so in the beginning, you would have saved yourself a whole lot
2: of trouble. Uh. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, so wait, like, my whole thing is like, they were her friends first. Yeah. But it feels like they're his friends now. Yeah. Like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I guess guy code or something so stupid. I don't know. And I don't know. It seems like they had chemistry towards the end of the film.
0: Yeah, it did. It seemed like they didn't even need to go back onto that whole dateline plot thread thing. But
2: they had to get her into a dress somehow. Well, it would
0: have been... I mean, how great if they were? it was the same shot, but he was in a dress and she wasn't. Like, that would have been the ending. Like, that's...
2: I wouldn't be surprised if they like shot both of those endings and then went with this one.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then I think he got his uh newfound best friends to hack the uh the lights in the building. That was real, right? Uh,
0: yeah. The crash and burn sign. Yeah. There's something
1: beautiful yet scary about this film. It's like in 1995, which is like very much true today. That computers can and do control everything. Even still, I think it'd be pretty hard to hack into the electrical mainframe of a building and do this like little light thing. No, mm,
2: I don't think no, it's don't actually know. that hard. I mean, uh, I think I, don't know. I feel
1: like the lights would be the easiest thing to hack in a yeah. building. <laughs> but it's about figuring out. Like, yes, the electrical system, but also the spelling. Well, which lights do you put on, which lights do you put off?
2: Right. I'm pretty sure you could, a computer program could figure it out. Like, you don't have, or actually, like, a way that you could figure it out really easily is just, like, take a piece of grid paper and block out a rectangle and then fill in the blocks to make it spell that, and then you would control the corresponding lights.
1: I don't know, this dude doesn't seem like he would take the time to do that. I
2: don't think it's him, I I think it's their friends.
0: Yeah, I thought it was uh, like they programmed... Code for it to go up, like you know, because he programs the tra- every traffic light in Manhattan to turn green at the same time. So, like, this isn't this is nothing. This yeah. is like one arm tied behind their back.
1: I don't know if I'm with you guys on this. You know,
2: <laughs> well, it's just that, like, in organizations, because of the people who are in charge and the the decision makers are like generally don't understand technology and particularly the security threats involved. In using technology. When it comes down to budgeting and allocating resources to information security, like, they don't think of it as a priority which is why like in recent years there have been all of these stories about hacks of major health insurers and like other like these major corporations who have these huge troves of data credit card companies etc that you would think you would think that they would be really concerned about protecting your data but they're clearly not you know what i mean and so when it like when you, when it comes down to, like, a building manager or, like, you know, a property company that owns 9,000 buildings in Manhattan, like, they're probably not that concerned with the security of like their lighting systems
1: but do you think the lighting system is computerized at this time
2: i'm not sure i think that there's probably some digital component to it but not to the extent that it would be today
1: see i was thinking they had to more go through the electrical company rather than through the business's uh mainframe.
2: Oh no 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 no! There's some sort of lighting system that's all control like that has some sort of central control probably in the building. Yeah, because
0: like I think of I think of like the mall. Like when I worked at the mall, and like there, I mean even back in like the '80s, like there's master controls in the very back that like turn on all the lights in the mall. Mm-hmm. You know, like in the morning or whatever, and then you know, so everything is on a program. Even back then, I think like that that basic stuff. You worked at the mall in the '80s. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> I, went, I worked at the mall during the uh, 2000s, but I was alive in the 80s. No, but I'm just saying, like, if you watch, like, Dawn of the Dead, there's a, there's a scene mm-hmm. early on where they get to the mall and, like, everything is run by computers in the back room. So, like, you could... Probably hack into that somehow by the 90s at least,
2: and I think like security around that sort of thing is higher now, particularly after something like 9/11, and uh, also particularly after I don't know if you guys remember hearing about the Stuxnet virus, which was like one of like the first major examples of a computer virus causing real like harm in the real world because it actually managed to shut down like a power plant. In Iran, I think. I don't know. I might be getting the details wrong. But like, so people are like slightly more aware of this digital entity causing physical harm in the real world. And I think in 1995, people were not thinking in those terms, like up until very recently, I think that people considered digital things to only exist in the digital realm. And now people are starting to get a more sophisticated understanding of like how it they also affect us in everyday life. But at that time, definitely not. So I, I think it would be pretty easy to do. That's my long answer.
0: It just seems like one of the easier things to do because they're not really doing too much. They're just, you know, making words out of light. I
1: don't know. I just think it might be easier to break into
0: the building and put the lights on manually (laughs) well we don't know like maybe they paid the janitor to do that well no because it's it's like Houdini thing.
2: they make it wind up looking like an led screen right and the the lights are moving too so that part of it is impossible i think but
0: oh yeah true that's a really good point yeah because i think of that sometimes like sometimes they might just say they're hacking but like they're actually running around like you know really physically doing stuff like turning lights on and off
1: look i don't know there's a ton of articles online about this film that says like what's plausible what's not plausible Who knows? You can go online and do your own scholarship.
0: (laughs) So what was plausible? Like changing, changing your class must be like really easy. Oh yeah, right. All the like like the phone
2: freaking stuff is for real too.
0: Oh yeah, there used to be something about um, a a Captain Crunch whistle you used to be able to get like in the cereal box that hackers used, and you could make a tone that would give you like free minutes on a collect call or something. Yeah, no. Like I said, this movie was heavily
1: researched, so it
0: makes sense. Well, there's like that one thing that freak does where he just like gets the operator on the line and asks her to make a call for him <laughs> like is that hacking i guess that's like the simplest hack
2: well yeah i mean like hacking is kind of a conceptual it's like it's the state of mind you know <laughs> it's, it's not necessarily <laughs> Subverting a the system. thing exactly yeah. and it's breaking things basically so like the way that the phone is set up in the jail is very specific and he breaks that like it's a very simple break but it's it's still like finding a way around how things usually oh, work so cool.
1: yeah carrie you make a really good point and you reminded me of something that i read while doing my research the filmmakers like that was their intention they, didn't, they wanted to show that hacking wasn't just like typing numbers into a keyboard that it was using any resource at your disposal to accomplish what you want to accomplish or like you said break something that you wanted to break Mm -hmm. even if it was more like practical than digital if that makes sense
2: and if that means running up and down the stairs in a building turning lights on and off (laughs) so be it
0: well yeah i'd love to direct your attention to a great movie about hackers pre-90s called sneakers with robert redford and uh you know river phoenix and it's got uh, cindy poitier is in there and it's it's great and they're like those uh, i think Emilio estevez they're like the run around like actually break into buildings and like put our like little thing on the uh you know main console and then we can control it from our truck that has the big satellite on it like it's awesome like that's i definitely seek that one
1: out is that an official mike manzi recommendation sure anything else you guys want to bring up before we uh rate this thing
2: oh uh pen gillette's character is credited as hal which is the name of the computer in uh 2001 a space odyssey
0: Mm, yeah yeah of course And they keep saying, hack the Gibson, hack the Gibson. I wonder Mm -hmm. if that's after um, William William Gibson. Gibson, Yes, it is. Yeah, the author, yeah, yeah, who coined many a term that we use now. Yeah, they uh, made a lot of different. Cyberspace and stuff, so.
2: Yeah, uh, different references to his work, like kind of peppered throughout the movie mm, that's cool um oh i i read this on the imdba that around the movies is released uh when it was released the official website was modified by its webmasters to appear that it had like been hacked into and digital graffiti <laughs> and instructions to see the net instead was added to the site's graphics I think that's hilarious. (laughs) Wow, that is so cool.
0: Uh, Razor and Blade's little, like, afternoon rave thing totally is, like, pre-Matrix Matrix, Matrix, though. Mm -hmm. But, like, that is right out of, like, the Wachowski's sort of wheelhouse right there. I was like, whoa, like, they must have loved this movie.
1: (laughs) I wonder if it was one of their influences.
0: I mean, I can only just guess, like, that they saw it. But, like, yeah, just, I mean, I'm sure they consumed every possible movie about computers before writing the matrix and this had to be on that list Hmm.
1: fair fair so you know i think we did a pretty good job of covering hackers today i think we covered all yeah, our bases good. and you know if you guys listening out there don't like this podcast or don't like this episode i should say there seems to be like a thousand hackers podcast or people who have done hackers on their podcast and guys trust me i love it I love when a movie didn't do well in theaters but gains a cult following over time. It's awesome. And you know, well, guys, let's see if you agree. Let's rate this film. What should we rate it on, though?
2: Mm.
0: Hmm. How many floppy disks? I don't yeah, know. <laughs>
2: floppy disks
1: are good. Ooh, floppy disks. I love it. Wow, our first try. We got a good suggestion that never happens. Okay, Kara. You first. Rate the film.
2: Uh, I would. I give it a solid four. I want to give it five because I love it so much. But you know, the, just there's still some gender things in this that I don't really appreciate. I don't appreciate the homophobia. I don't appreciate that weird clip that we talked about at the beginning of a man strangling a woman. Uh, so I like. I I want to love this movie with all my heart, and I do genuinely, but you know, I have to take a step back from it.
1: That's fair. All fair points. How about you, Mike Manzi? How do you rate hackers?
0: Uh,
2: yeah, I I agree as well. I give
0: this a four, four floppy disks for sure. It's got issues, you know, like it's got its problems looking back on it that uh, I wish it didn't have some of those things, but I still think that those are minor things in the long run. Like, it's just got such great style, and there's such a fun energy here, and it's not, like, I don't think it's a great movie, you know? But, like, I love it. Like, I love it more than I think it's good. Like, I, you know, like... It's got problems and stuff, but it, I just admire all of its sort of faults and things like that, too. And that it really just pushed for its vision and uh, is, like, unique in its, in this way. And Yeah, it's a lot of fun.
1: Wow, so I think we have a consensus here. I'm also going to give it a four. And, you know, I'm going to deduct the one point for all the reasons you guys said and also some other stuff. That ADR was super distracting, especially when you and me, Mike, saw it in the theater. Like, I, <laughs> It's just funny every time. Yeah. I also wish some of the characters were written a little better, especially Lorraine Bracco's. I mean, some of that dialogue. What's a computer? <laughs> she says so much dumb stuff. And there's so many lines where it's just a repeat of the line that the, another character had just said. Like, it makes no sense why they had to ADR it. I don't know, maybe she was the character that was supposed to dumb it down for the regular viewer, but I thought it was unnecessary. Still, all that aside, and all the uh, problematic stuff aside, and all the marketing weirdo stuff aside, this was a really, really fun film. It had Mark Anthony in it it as well, and I like that. But it was a really, really fun film. And, you know, I love the positive tone. There's so many films that are like, technology bad, technology bad. But this, you know, this is... This is different. Yeah. I mean, that might be true to an extent, but it's also good. It's
2: also awesome.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You know, this film leaves you with a positive feeling. And you can't say that a lot about tech movies. Plus, it's so freaking fun. So you guys have had some time. I need your help. What is my hacker name? (laughs) Late night. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could just take my Mad Max name if you want. Take your
0: Road Warrior name
1: and. <laughs> <laughs> take my Thunderdome name. Yeah, keep your brand consistent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now, would night be spelled like the nighttime or would it be spelled N I T E? How would it be spelled? Oh, it would be spelled
2: N 1 T 3.
0: Oh, what if you're night school? Oh. Ooh. I like that, too. Yeah. <laughs> now, how are we spelling school?
2: S-dollar sign ch zero zero
0: one. one Oh, uh, I was thinking S-K-O-L. or oh, oh, S-K-O-A-L. Night school or something. I don't know. <laughs> no,
1: no. I like the dollar sign. So, you know, I have to ask this question. What sleeping bags are you bringing to the hacker's slumber party?
2: Oh, man. Oh, boy. Um... So Knight, uh, not Knight, that's not what his name is. Where's my brain right now? Nikon. On his computer, on his laptop, he has, like, the original Supreme logo and a sticker of a pot leaf, and it's a, it's a bold and simple statement, but, you know, it's a strong aesthetic, and I'm, I might just go with a sleeping bag that has that exact same thing on it.
1: Nice, nice. Okay, Mike, how about you?
0: All right, so... I think just it looks kind of just like your average ordinary sleeping bag, uh, except that um, it's got uh, Bluetooth <laughs> and Wi-Fi, some and USB
2: ports in there,
0: USB ports and plugs, and there's even a screen when you just unzip it inside, and it's just sort of like an all tech sleeping bag inside.
1: Nice, nice, nice. Yes. I love it. So my sleeping bag is not a sleeping bag. It's the bed. That the plague has, that I really want to show you guys. I might need to re-rent this film on YouTube just to like get this picture to show you.
0: Do you have it's? Uh, it's on Amazon Prime if you have a is it subscription.
2: Yeah.
1: God damn it! Oh man, I rented it on YouTube quick so I could watch it on the subway.
0: Wait, you watched this on the subway? Is
1: that what you said? Yeah. Well, for one of my rewatches. obviously I saw it with you at Alamo Drafthouse, and I started it again in my apartment and then you know took it on the subway
0: i think that's awesome though that's like the the most hacker way like any of us have watched a piece of this movie yet i think is like just on the subway in manhattan
1: (laughs) i guess that's fair i do a lot of my second or third rewatches on the subway Mm. you know it it helps with the commute so i want to thank you guys so much for coming on today and inspiring me to do hackers I had it on my list already, but like, you know, both of you clicked interested on Facebook for the Alamo draft test screening, and I'm like, God, I really want to see this film again. I really want to talk about it with Kara and Mike, and I'm glad we could get together and talk about it. So is there anything you want to plug or want to talk about that's upcoming in your shows or in your lives or whatever?
2: Um, On Wistful Thinking, we just uh, recorded the second episode of our Jim Carrey month today. I've been on a real journey. We started with Ace Ventura Pet Detective, a transphobic piece of shit movie that I hated so much and was Mm. so mad at Jordan for making me watch. And then I watched like ten other things that Jim Carrey has been in and now I actually like him. So it's been a learning curve. Fun stuff.
1: I like how now and whistle thinking you're doing some of the like extra watching stuff. Like you're watching the movie, but you're also watching the other actors' movies and talking about like all of it like a survey. It brings in like the actual movie you're doing and you know, it, it adds context, so kudos on that.
2: Yeah, and that just comes from my wanting to change the theme of our podcasts every two months. <laughs> I'm like, what if now we just did a podcast about boat movies, you know? And we did that over the summer. So, it like, it's a fun laboratory that we get to kind of experiment in.
1: Oh, yeah, I really love it. I look forward to seeing the next themes. Thank you. Mike, how about you?
0: Um, yeah, so... Uh, Over on Third Time's a Charm for um, April and May, uh, sort of like trying something a little different, and Brian is over on those episodes, and uh, we are covering WrestleMania 3. Sort of trying to find other Part 3s aside from movies to cover over on that show, and uh, so Brian and... My horror consultant Dan Colon will be there, and then new guest, the third time's a charm. Um, host of the legendary Monkey Club, Christian Larson, joins us, and we really—I mean—that is—that uh, was one of the most fun times I had recording anything. Like that was a lot of fun, so I'm really looking forward to putting those shows together, and getting those out, and uh, getting some feedback from there, and um. You know, looking for other things that aren't movies to do part threes of. I got some potential video games to cover and uh, other special events. I know there were at least three Woodstocks. So that's on the, uh, the master and list as well. And everybody knows so.
2: the last one was obviously the most interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know,
0: the show is uh, trying something new and uh, come check it out.
1: Well, thanks so much, guys. I feel like you have... Breathed is breathed a word.
2: Breathe new life. What is are that you what you're trying, saying? trying to say?
1: We breathe new life.
2: Oh yeah, like past tense of breathed. Yeah. Yes, that's a word. It
1: ironically sounded weird
0: coming out of my <laughs> mouth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel like you guys have breathed new life into your shows, both of you. Not that they were dead.
0: Well. I mean, I was searching, I'm kind of, I was searching for the pulse on my show, to be quite honest, for a couple months there, and uh, I don't know.
2: (laughs) Well, I think whenever you do anything for a long period of time, and especially, like, for your shows where you're uh, on your own, like, it can be a slog, you know, and so, like, we found out on Wistful Thinking very early that, like, I was not going to survive doing a podcast about children's programming. It just was not going to, it wasn't going to happen. I'm not into it. I don't want to do that. You know, so we've kind of, like, bent our mission to just suit our interests and our whimsies and just roll with it. Because otherwise, like, there's no point in doing a show that makes you miserable. Life is too short.
1: Well, thanks so much, guys. Of course, I really appreciate it. And you guys listening out there can listen to Kara's show and Mike's show on cageclub.me, that's cageclub.me, or wherever you get your podcasts. Probably where you're listening to this very podcast right now. Thanks so much, guys.
2: Thanks for having us.
0: Hack the planet.
1: That's right. I need everyone to say, hack the planet.
0: (laughs) Hack the
2: planet. Hack the planet
1: huge high school slumber party size thank you to caragale oregan and mike manzi for helping me get through hackers well you know it wasn't like help i thought the film was really fun but you know bringing hackers to my attention again i guess they're awesome people with awesome shows definitely check out their shows on cageclub.me that's cageclub.me and guys Big news. I forgot to even bring it up at the beginning of this episode. This is our 50th episode. 5-0. That's a milestone. I can't believe I've gotten to 50 episodes. I can't believe that you guys have been with me. You know, it means so much to me that there's at least one person out there listening to this show. So I thank you so much. I'm not sure what we'll do for our year anniversary, our birthday, but we'll definitely do something awesome. Well, I don't know. I guess I can't guarantee that, but I hope we do something awesome. But wow, the Big 5 its It's amazing. It's incredible. Most of all, I can't believe I've edited 50 episodes because, you know, podcasts behind the scenes, at least to me, that's the most frustrating part. I don't mind watching the movies, obviously. I don't mind chatting with the guests, that's always fun. You know, most of this process is really, 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 really fun. I just, you know, editing is a labor of love. We'll put it that way. And if you guys listen closely, you might be hearing some birds in the background. That's because I'm recording this at 5 in the morning, because that's how long editing took this week. Thank you, thank you, hackers on both the good side And the bad side. (laughs) But I appreciate you guys, you slumberers, so, so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for helping me get to 50 episodes. And, you know, can't wait for the next 50 and the 50 after that. And as long as I can, you know, maintain my sanity and keep watching these high school films, I'll be doing this for you guys. And for myself, really. You know, like I said, it helps keep my sanity for now but it may drive me insane later. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, your homework for next week. Big departure, but not really. This film takes place in the same city, my city, New York City, as hackers did, but uh, very different actors, very different subject matter. We're doing an Olsen twin film next week. We're doing New York Minute.
2: The name's Lomax. Nassau County Department of Truancy. Full party's over, Flubber. Grab a towel. I'm on the heels of New York's number one truant.
0: Thank you, New York City!
1: Roxanne Ryan. Three weeks into school, and you haven't cut once.
2: (laughs) Haven't cut once my Aunt Fanny. She's trouble, and she knows it. So does her sister.
0: Jane Ryan, my name is
1: (gasps) A dead ringer.
0: I am this close to winning the four-year scholarship to Oxford University. Stay away from me.
1: Well, today, I'm taking her down. Where can I find Roxanne Ryan? If there's something I'm not, that's a rat. She's in Manhattan at a video shoot.
0: Your speech doesn't start until 3 o'clock. That gives you three and a half hours. Four and a half. Same
2: thing. New York City is where this cat-and-mouse game ends. You
0: want
2: Where the poor little mouse, oh. will fall topsy-turvy.
0: Oh. Oh. No. Along with her mutt. My bad. We are so not in Kansas anymore. This is where Bling lives. Cease and desist! Who's that cracker? Marathon mission.
1: Hang on, people. Four time's over, Ryan.
0: You know, they say it's a city that never sleeps. Oh, I think
1: it will now that you've hit town, Gomer.
0: Jay, do, Jay. Warner Brothers Pictures presents Twins. Hi! We haven't spent a day together in years.
1: Mary Kate Olsen, Ashley Olsen, Eugene Levy. Whoa! Of it. New York Minute. Bad girl, bad girl. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when I come for you? All right, this is take three on doing this part, because every time I say this guest's name, the device I have that happens to have the same name starts talking and reading me the news. So I'm going to try to say it a little bit lighter. But I'm so happy for our guest next week because she suggested this film. And I'm so happy she did. I apologize for you guys in advance, but it's going to be a really fun episode. A really fun episode. So you want to watch New York Minute. You want to tune in next Friday for our Olsen Twin kind of refresher and our New York Minute episode. And my guest next week is Alexa Barikian. And she was on our Hot Chick episode. Oh, good. The Alexa didn't go off. Thank God. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, that took a while. Yeah, so, so excited to have Alexa come back on. And trust me, trust me, I know you're an Olsen Twin fan out there. Don't pretend you're not. It's going to be really, really fun. (laughs) So don't forget to check out my other show, P.S. I Love Hoffman. That's the Philip Seymour Hoffman podcast. It's really, really awesome. I host it with my friend Kyle Reinfried. It's a great show. Kyle's been on my show here before, so you probably know him. P.S. I love Hoffman. Oh, and speaking of Mike Mansey, who was obviously on this Hackers episode, he mentioned that I guest-starred on his Wrestlemania episode, and I love talking about wrestling so much. We did a nice, little, a nice little supplemental that came out this week as well, so you want to check that out. So today, I leave you with Not something off the Hacker soundtrack, because I feel like I've given you enough of that electronic techno or whatever that is. Trust me, I liked it for this film, but I need a little break from it. So I said, hmm, what should I leave you with? Then I thought, how about the surprise actor in this film, who I did not even remember was in this film, and he plays a Secret Service agent? That's right, Latin sensation, Mark Anthony. I need to know. Later, dudes you